and welcome to episode 166 of TLDR Podcast, which is the first one since Trayden's turned 30. That's a good one. Trayden's birthday was this last weekend. It was a great time. The majority of us were there, but uh, Alex forgot or something, like just didn't show up. It was weird, right, Alex? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I was like, oh, Trayden, who's that? Nah, I can't go. Uh, no, I was sick as a dog. I'm finally kind of starting to feel a little bit better. Trading, I'm sorry I missed it, buddy. I hope you had a great time. It was actually a really fun time, and you were missed by a lot of people. <laughs> Especially me. I cried at a baseball game because I found out you were coming. Um, Love Tyler, you, too. Thanks, brother. Team James. Um, <laughs> Tyler was there as well. Tyler did not play golf with us on sun, Saturday, which was just terrible. Uh, but <laughs> on Sunday. So, Tyler, did you have a good weekend? Did you have fun celebrating Tyler? And how hungover you on Monday? Yeah, I had a great time. It was, uh, you know, the first kind of full Sunday with the boys that I've had, you know, this year. Um, and it was real, a lot, a lot of fun. We played a lot of games. I drank a lot. Um, yeah, James, you really screwed me over with the, uh, the blue moon high noon combo, which we call the blue moon or the blue noon. Um, and yeah, from pretty much from there, it, it, it things got kind of went south. Um, so thankfully I was, I was definitely had a mild hangover the next day, but I was definitely functional and, doing all right but yeah you, just definitely had to drive me home that night he, he mixed you you had him mix blue moon and high noon i told him okay this was actually a, t- a tag team effort between between jess and james um they they, they both kind of screwed me over on this one but um i didn't think it was that good no but, okay <laughs> um and i usually for me like when you mix things like that that's where i get that's where it just is never a good thing so um yeah oh well Trayden, on the other hand, spent the morning of his 30th hungover. Trayden, did you have a good weekend, bro? Yes, I did. Um, started out Saturday playing some golf very terribly. But, hey, I was with you and my dad, and that's always fun. Uh, you know, uh, the the baseball game that we really just used as a way to congregate a bunch of people because nobody cares about the Angels, nobody cares about the Tigers. So it's a cheap way to get everyone together. It's probably cheaper than a cover charge in downtown LA. So... <laughs> which is pretty fucking sad. Um, uh, and then Sunday with the boys and, and gals watching, um, football is, is, is always a great time. Um, but before I pass it back to you, James, happy birthday on Thursday from TLDR podcast, baby. Appreciate it guys. I, uh, I'm expecting a lot of gifts from all of you and Alex expects it to be there Thursday. <laughs> Alex, my guy, make up for us. See you Thursday. Yeah, I'll be there. Sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. So the week festivities, Thursday, Thursday, I was coming down. We're going to go to the D probably. Um, oh, oh God. <laughs> we're definitely you, we would not do that. It's Niners play Thursday. You're not going to, you're not going to miss that. You are hundred percent correct. That's why Alex <laughs> is bringing the D to my house. So that's how <laughs> that was bad. Woo! I might have to edit that out later. Hey, we're live, bud. Yeah. We're live. <laughs> we're live. Okay. Well, you know what, Alex, we're going to start with you, man. Tell us about that. <laughs> Oh, James, I'll bring it all to you, buddy. Um, Okay, (laughs) jumping in to the NBA. Uh, Traded kind of mentioned it a little bit last week, um, but now it is somewhat official. So we're going to talk about this new NBA resting policy real quick, kind of before we jump in to our uh, scheduled preview, I guess. Um, So the NBA and the Players Association and freaking whoever else it is agreed that you – an NBA team cannot rest star players 
or multiple star players. I'm going to call this the Clipper rule. Um, I think that's just fair to everyone. Um, so as an example, like the Boston Celtics or the Clippers, um, and it's all predicated on if you've been an all-star or like all NBA within the last three years, um, you know, they pretty much have to ensure that one of your star players is playing every, at least every game. So like you can't rest both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on the same day. Granted, those guys will probably be hurt the whole season. So that's maybe a little bit of a bad, um, a bad example, but traded, I'm going to come back to you. Cause I think out of the, all of us, you've maybe been the most, um, what's a better word than aggressive, <laughs> passionate. There we go yeah. about the NBA and the resting of players. Um, so what are your thoughts that there's now some sort of actual official guideline rule, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, in the NBA with, with resting star players? Yeah, I think, I think it's a step in the right direction. I mean, I, 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 I can tell that the fans were not the only ones that were, you know, frustrated. I think obviously the league was frustrated. Uh, you got to think that the, that the, um, you know, sponsors are frustrated because, you know, they're shelling out money for advertising for their games and, you know, nobody wants to watch, you know, half a, a, a Clipper team that doesn't have Kawhi playing. Like, it's just tough to watch. I mean, I know that there are other, I know that there are diehards, but a, a lay, a lay person is not going to watch that type of game that they're, they're wait They're wanting to watch the stars play that the, the, the NBA is a star driven league more than any, I would say even more than the NFL, which is, I mean, I guess that's kind of obvious, but, um, it, it's just, it's just that much more star driven. And, um, it, it's, it's just ridiculous to see that, that much, um, load management when you could just load manage throughout the game. I mean, they don't have to play 45 minutes of, freaking day they can they you can chop it up a little bit um and you know it i also come from a sport that if if you're missing you better be either dead or dying so um, unless unless it's one of those two things um you're playing uh, i know i'm being facetious but you understand what i'm saying uh and and a play and a player does not like to to, to you know be, be be pulled out of games so uh i i don't know i I, I think it's going to help. Um, I like to see the track. I, I like to see it move in this direction, but um, I, I, I do have to say the NBA is as good as it probably ever has been. Um, and maybe the load management has to do with that. I do appreciate that, but it is tough to see, you know, the best of the best sit when you, you don't know when they're going to play. And I think that that is just a, a problem with, with the league considering a lot of play, like not every team makes the playoffs. So um I, I don't know. It's a step in the right direction, but we'll see if it actually makes, makes a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of this is for the fans sake. You know, if you're going to a warriors game and you're spending hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars and, you know, Steph and clay and Draymond are all sitting the night that you go. Like if I was a fan of the warriors and I, you know, probably bought these tickets months in advance, or maybe it's the only game I'd be able to go to, like, I would be pissed because basketball tickets are not cheap. Like they are very expensive. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how that will go. It's, you know, it will be interesting to see how it affects older players who, you know, like a LeBron James who sits, you know, a little more frequently because he's been playing basketball forever and has a lot of minutes. So I don't know, Ty, what do you think? 
Yeah, it's 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 kind of a it's kind of crazy that they really have to implement this kind of rule for something like this. You know, I I, I do think that's definitely you know a very pro fan um, rule, and I think that's a good thing because at the end of the day, like the NBA would not be where it is without the fans. So um, I I do think it's a positive. It's definitely tricky, especially coming from it from a you know from a medical kind of side of things, like how are you managing and how are they be able to determine whether a player is out for a medical reason or whether they're out just for load management. I'm sure that they have those details sorted out and how they're going to police that. Um, but I, I do think it's good. I don't think, you know, players should sit out just to sit out. I know that, you know, it's a load management thing, you know, it's, it, it's, it's kind of catching steam because I do think that it generally probably does decrease some injuries for sure. Um, but I also think it's probably overutilized in, in, in other areas as well. So I think it's kind of those things that it, you know, I think the, the league kind of went too far one direction and now they're trying to kind of rein it back a little bit. Um, so hopefully kind of, we find a happy middle ground, but, um, ultimately I do think that it's, it's a positive for the fans. And I think that's important because, you know, you, 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 you got to serve your, your fan base. Otherwise you wouldn't be playing. So. Yeah. And on top of this, you know, if, if someone's healthy or even injured, you're still supposed to show up, uh, you know, a, a player, I mean, is supposed to show up and be visible to the fans because yeah, you're like, we've seen reactions of, you know, because fans and NBA players sit right next to each other. It's there's no other sport other than kind of hockey, but there's a big piece of glass in between them where fans and in the athletes can really interact like the NBA. So um, yeah, you're still supposed to be visible I, I do wonder if there's going to be a little bit of like, uh, oh, you know, KD played the first 35 seconds of this game. Does that count? And then he's just like sits for the rest of the game. I'm, I'm curious to see how that will potentially go. But James, what do you think? Uh, it's real fast. You mentioned LeBron James earlier. Um, there are exemptions to this rule and there are seven players who fit this exemption. And it's the exemption that if you're 35 years or older by opening night or have a mess. 34,000 regular season minutes or a combined 1,000 regular season and playoff games. LeBron James, Steph, Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, James Harden, DeRozan, and Mike Conley all fit that description. So just off the bat, this rule does not apply to them whatsoever. But on the second point of Alex and the, and the real question, it's that I love this in theory, except like you had just mentioned, that there are so many workarounds around it. Like you could play one, literally one second of the game and you played that game. They can do that if they want to be that stingy about it. Or there's nothing stopping the medical team from being like, he has a sore ankle. He doesn't have to play today. You're not technically sitting him. He's injured. There are so many workarounds that NBA teams can literally just get around at any point in time if they really wanted to. And I'm interested to see if NBA teams actually do that because you're going to turn off a lot of fans that way. A lot of them. Because this rule, like you said, was meant for fans. And now they're the NBA teams are like, I don't care about the fans, man. I'm, I care about the product they put on the field and the amount of money I invested in it. And it comes off as greedy. But if this, this rule comes out and does what it's supposed to do, then I applaud the NBA for doing that. Because it's at times unwatchable when I have to watch some scrubs play in front of everybody else. Yeah, I do think it... You know, it's kind of like baseball with a like an innings limit or even with hockey where, you know, someone says they're healthy, but then they only maybe play five minutes throughout the game or something. Or um, I think there'll definitely be some workarounds. I'm kind of hoping and I think probably a little naively that teams will just kind of follow it, which I don't know why I would trust these teams to do that at all. But 
I'm just going to hope as a fan, it all kind of works out and we just, everyone gets to see the best players play and, you know, obviously hopefully avoiding injury. And, you know, I think that's part of how all four of these leagues that we talk about are getting better and bigger and everyone's, you know, all these athletes are crazier. It's just the recovery and the rest is so much better than it was even 10, 15 years ago. So there's obviously a reasoning behind a lot of this, but the NBA, it seemed to be, you know, very focused on that. And it's such a big topic that I'm, you know, they obviously had to do something about it, but we will see as the season gets going, um, moving on to the next division of our preview. Well, we're going to start in the central. I'm going bottom to top on this one. Uh, I think the last time I did it, I don't remember what I did last time. So it doesn't matter. We're in the central this week. Uh, and we're going to start with the lowly Detroit Pistons. They were 17 and 65 last year update. They missed the playoffs. Uh, if you guys figure that one out, they gained, uh, Joe Harris, Monte Morris, Marcus Sesser with pick 25 and a Sir Thompson with the fifth overall pick. They really only lost Corey Joseph traded. You picked the Detroit Pistons. I'm not sure why, but here we are. <laughs> so the Pistons have been bad for a really long time. You know, they had the number one overall pick a couple of years ago in Kate Cunningham and like the rest of these young Pistons are kind of, they're getting there. They sh- they're kind of like the Houston Rockets where we're like, okay, let's kind of see it. So, you know, will they, do you think they're going to take kind of a step forward or is this just going to be like another lost season in Detroit? Yeah. So I actually like, I don't mind the moves that they made. They're, they're, they're really starting to make a, a solid foundation. And I know that, you know, they, they've been at the, at the bottom for, for so, so long, but um, you know, Kate Cunningham looked good in the, you know, with, with the, with the United States team um, he's had his, I mean, it seems like he's been kind of injured every, uh, quite, a, quite often, but if he can get past that, I think that he's going to be, you know, he's going to be a solid, you know, piece to work around. You bring, you bring in some younger guys that, and even some veteran guys that just kind of, you know, stabilize the, stabilize the franchise a little bit. Um, I think bringing in Monty Williams is a big move uh, because obviously he made, he had some great success in Phoenix and he's not going to, he's the type of guy uh, and you see it, you see it um, in, in all different sports. He's a coach that comes in and it is, does not, you know, handle players not competing. He's at least going to have them competing. Is he going to take them to the play in? No, that, no one's, no one's expecting that, but we don't expect them to be the absolute dumpster dot dumpster fire that they have been, or at least not make any steps forward. I mean, um, I'm not going to say that they're going to come out of, you know, the, the bottom five, but they're not going to be a bottom two team or, at least the bottom one team, I think that they can make the right steps forward um, and, and find some respectability in this league, because that's where it starts. You, you win some games, you, be, you stay competitive and you, you be, uh, you know, you, yeah, um, you start to draft and develop and all of a sudden, wow, you find, you find a, a needle in a haystack and boom, you're a, uh, you're all of a sudden a couple stars away from actually really contending. Uh, but you have to move forward. And I think um, the the bringing in Monty Williams alone is a huge move. And I think that that's going to start the the path forward for them. Um, they're not going to continue to go down. They, I think we're going to see light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I like that positive outtake. I think the Pistons are the Oklahoma City Thunder from like two years ago. Like It's not going to be an overall, the record is probably not going to be great, but we're hoping to see some growth, some development from some of these young guys, and then just continuing to get better and better. Um, so hopefully, you know, for Detroit fans, it's not, I mean, 17 wins is pretty brutal. Like last year was bad. And, you know, I think that they're obviously hoping to get going in the right direction. 
Um, and that's kind of proven with what our over under is to start. It's 28 and a half, which is a pretty big jump from them having 17 wins last, last year. So trade in over under 28 and a half wins for the Detroit Pistons. Yeah. I'm, I was just, you know, kind of looking and I, I'm going to give them 30. So I'm going to say over here. Okay. Uh, Ty, what about you? Uh, I kind of like the over as well. I agree. I think they're going to be make a little bit of a leap this year. Um, I like them for that, for that number. Okay. James. Uh, I agree with Tyler that they're going to make a leap, but they're for sure not going over 28 games. I got them at 28 games with a leap of 11 games, which is massive. Yeah. I'm also going to go under because that is a massive leap for a team that is still very young. I think they can, they're like around that 25 to 26 range. Um, but yeah, they will, they're, they're an interesting team to watch for the future. Definitely. Um, speaking of teams that are kind of in this funky area of, they were good. They've been bad. They, why are they not very good? The Indiana Pacers, James, they finished 35 and 47 last year. They were fighting for a play in spot for majority of the season and then just kind of faltered at the end. So they ended up missing the playoffs completely. They kind of had a big off season. So they gained Bruce Brown, who was an integral part of that Detroit Nuggets, Detroit Nuggets, Denver Nuggets, um, Jamie chip team, Obi Toppin from the, um, from the Knicks, Ben Shepard, Jarris, Jared, Jarris Walker with the eighth overall pick. And then most importantly, they re-signed Tyrese Halliburton, who James, you said you would start your franchise with a couple, a couple months back. Um, they did lose some veterans in Chris Duarte, George Hill, and James Johnson, but all last year, James, we talked about Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. They were on the Pacers. Where are they going to trade them? What are they going to do? Well, they're still there. You know, do are how are you feeling about the Pacers going into this new season? Do you think these new additions kind of push them into that play-in spot that they were fighting for so much at the end of last year? I love the additions that they made. They made the right ones. They lost dead weight and they gained really great versatile players. Bruce Brown is going to be a starter on this team. And he's versatile. He does it all. He can help in all aspects of the game, offense, defense, mental stuff, because he won a championship. Like, this is the guy you want on your team. And he's feisty, too. This guy does not give up ever. Glue guy, big time. And also, Obi Toppin, right? Does anybody really know him outside the Sam Dunn competition? Not really, because he was a Nick and he came off the bench. <laughs> when he was with the Knicks, came off the bench. He was a role player. But an interesting step that I found is that in the games that he started, he was the freaking all-star. This dude averaged 20-plus points and six rebounds when he was a starter. But then when he was coming off the bench, he was only putting up like 10. He's going to get starting minutes with his Pacers squad. And if he get, puts up those numbers with Tyrese Halbert, with Miles Turner, with Buddy Heald, and that, that rookie from last season, Benedict Matherin, that dude is instant offense. This team is going to be very good on offense and decent at defense. That combination compared to every, like what they did last season, that's really going to push them forward into that playing spot. That's what I really believe. Yeah, I, I agree. I really like what the Pacers did. And it's kind of one of those things where, unfortunately, it's Indianapolis and it's not a big market. You know, it's not L.A. It's not New York. It's not Miami. It's not even Chicago, who they're not that far away from. But um, they, you know, and they they're one of those teams that just has to do a good job trading and drafting. You know, LeBron James, Kevin Durant is not signing in Indy. That's just, it's just part of the deal. Unfortunately, it's where you're, lo where you're located, but James, I agree with you. I think they did a great job. And we talk about these glue guys, the, you know, the next guys up that aren't the star players and how important they are to teams. If they really want to contend 
And yeah, signing Bruce Brown is a huge move for them. And I really like that. So weirdly enough, they won 35 games last year. The experts air quotes, I was going to say, you can't see me, but we're live streaming. So if you're watching, you can see me this time, uh, <laughs> is only at their over-unders at 37 and a half James. So based on your glowing testimony, I'm going to assume that you're going over. I'm um, for sure going over. I'm at like 43, 44 games. Okay. Yeah. That definitely pushes them into that play in under the low playoff, like straight up spot. So trading, you're not in your head. What do you think? Yeah. I'll take the over here. All right. Ty. I will also go over. Uh, I want to go under to be different, but I think 37 and a half is pretty low for them. And yeah, I'm going to agree and go over as well. Moving on to the Chicago Bulls, who I kind of just mentioned, they finished 40 and 42 last year. They lost to Miami in that second play in game. Uh, they gained Tory Craig and then re-signed Nikola Vukovic and Colby white. Um, and they lost Pat Bev and Derek Jones. So very kind of ho-hum off season, I guess, for the Chicago bulls. And we've, we've talked about this a lot and we talked about it during the off season, like the bulls, when Lonzo ball is healthy are a, a much better team than when he's not healthy. There's been some back and forth on him standing up and down in a chair in the off season saying his knee is healthy, but trade in if Lonzo can't come back in the bulls, we talked about this with the Raptors two weeks ago. They're a team that has a lot of veterans that they could potentially trade off to kind of restart their system. So like if Lonzo doesn't come back and they are get off to like an iffy start. Is it time to trade guys like DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine and my guy, Alex Caruso? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this, this team has an issue because they're really good defensively. They're a very good defensive team, but we have had this argument on this podcast and you have to score points. If you're, if you're wanting to, uh, if you're wanting to advance any further than simply a play in and be a competitive team, um, they're, they're you know, they ranked what fifth in terms of, uh, in terms of defense and ranked 24th in offense. That's just not going to cut it in this, uh, in this offensive driven league. I mean, we've seen it time and time again, and we saw how competitive, how the team's competitive kind of really dropped out once Lonzo left or uh, Ronzo, uh, Lonzo fell out of the uh, rotation. And I, I just don't think that they have enough there to, to, to back that up. Uh, I think would have the same type of situation um, where, yeah, they're, they're fine defensively, but offensively, they just don't have enough prowess. I mean, DeMar DeRozan's great. I mean, these guys are, these guys are great, but, uh, and Zach Levine are fantastic, but what are we going to get? Are we going to get, incredible. Are we going to, yeah, there's just some, some, uh, you know, consistency issues too. So I, 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 I like to think that if, if, if they don't have Lonzo ball at hundred percent, or even if they don't have him at all, I, I don't know how that they're competitive enough, especially with, you know, James coming out and saying that the, that Indy's going to be a lot better. Um, uh, uh, you have the bucks that you have to deal with always. Um, I'm not saying that again, I'm not going back to saying the Pistons are going to make it, but if, if, if any of these teams behind you are start to improve and you are just it, stuck in the muck you are going to lose actually more wins than than uh you know last year um so i don't know what the over under is and i'm excited but i'm not i i'm not really bullish on this team i gotta say nice. hell yeah love the pun 10 out of 10 on that <laughs> yeah i trade and i agree with you we talked about the bulls two years ago had kind of like this historic kind of comeback season and demar derozan went off and zach levine went off and then they kind of faltered in the playoffs a little bit 
And last year throughout the regular season, we talked about them like, why aren't they better? Like this team has names and better depth and what is happening there. I think they're just old, you know, DeMar DeRozan is like 35, 36. And we talk about it all the time. Unless you're LeBron James, if you're into your mid thirties in the NBA and you've been around as long as DeMar DeRozan has, you're going to start falling off. So I agree. I'm, I think this is kind of a, like a make it or break it year for Chicago. Um, they have to get off to a hot start or they should really consider trading some of these guys. I mean, they, they're, some of these guys' names were floated out during the trade deadline last year and during the off season. I don't know. I hope for Chicago fans that they get off to a hot start and kind of see what happens. But yeah, with Indy getting better and with Detroit, you know, ideally at least becoming slightly more competitive, those are just little pieces, little losses here and there that kind of start to add up. So interestingly enough, Traden, now that we mention it, their over under for the year is 36 and a half. So their over under starting is a mm. game under what the Pacers were at in our if four games, three and a half, whatever, with one they won last year. So 36 and a half trade in the Chicago Bulls. I, this might be crazy. I'm going to say under. Um, I, 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 I have, I have over for Indi, for Indy and Detroit. I just, I have some, those losses have to go somewhere. Yeah, it's it's really you can't pick over on all of them. No. Like, really hard. Uh, all right, James, you made a face as in like, oof, that's a tough line. What do you think? That is a very tough line because the Bulls are bad, but they're not that bad. Yeah. No, like that. I have them being on the cusp of like 11, 12. and I don't know if that's what thirty six wins, right? Like that's Probably that's pretty close. Yeah. So uh, the Pacers were Pacers were the eleventh team last year with 35 wins or whatever I said, and right now I said 36, 36 and a half for the bulls. Yeah. Yeah. I got to go under maybe we'll, we'll 36, 36, what I'm thinking. So yeah, it's, it's tough. Ty, what do you think? Yeah. I think my gut's telling me to go under as well here. Okay. I'm going to go over and just say they get 37 and then I get the over by a half, a half a game <laughs> because I don't want to do it with you a little bit different. Um, and I also feel like that's a way to potentially win is to guess differently. Those marginal ones, man. It's those those margins. It's all about the margins. Uh, all right. We are moving on to some playoff teams. Tyler, I'm sorry. You took the longest to respond. So you have the longest to wait to talk, uh, (laughs) Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, crazy off season last year. Um, you know, really the first time that they performed well without LeBron James 51 and 31, they were the four seed. Unfortunately, they lost the Knicks in the first round. James, so the Cavs gained Damian Jones, George Niang, Max Struess, apparently Tristan Thompson, which I don't know why I added that. That's not important. And they re-signed Karis LeVert. Uh, they lost Danny Green, Robin Lopez, and C.D. Osman, Osman, however you say his last name. So, you know, Max Struess came off of a big season with Miami, and he's a great, like, off-the-ball guy, great shooting, but do the Cavs need more 3 and D kind of players to match up and really, like, take this team to the next echelon, or do you think they're going to be okay on defense and can just outscore enough people? It's interesting you said they're just going to be okay on defense because in my mind last season, without looking at the stats, I was like, this is a good offensive team and an eh, defensive team. But then I looked at the stats, and they were the number one defensive team in terms of points allowed per game. Who would have thought? I thought they were mediocre on defense and great on offense, but I think that's the Donovan Mitchell having those extreme games. They really got some. I don't think you can ever really have too many 3 and D guys because let's be real, that's where the league is going. 
Steph made it that way. It's like, you want more three-point shooting at all times. And this is kind of the perfect team to have it because of the fact that you have a big man that can distribute the ball in Evan Mobley or even uh, Jared Allen. Having those guys and doing this little motion where you have a screen, put it down low and then kick it back out or have a driver like Donovan Mitchell drive in and kick it out. It's perfect for Max Juice. And he was good at it as long as it's not in the playoffs. But right now we're talking about the, the regular season. So I like the way this team is headed. I like their offseason signings. Um, I think that Darius Garland and Evan Mobley can potentially make the all-star step this next season because those are two very, very good players. And pairing them up with Mitchell, who's always been good, and the Karis LeVert, who is sometimes good at offense. Like this team is, I think, poised to make that one or two push, one, two or three push in the East. And I like him a lot. Okay. Yeah. So they, like, like I said, they finished fourth in the East last year, uh, lost the Knicks in a, in a really good first round matchup. Um, yeah, it's, I think just like the James, you're right. The three and D and needing those guys on your team with the way the NBA is this year is so important, especially if you're in the Eastern conference and you know, at some point you're going to go through, probably going to go through Boston with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and or Miami with Jimmy Butler. So like you really need those guys to be able to guard those bigger, like bigger, you know, forwards, but the Cavs are such an interesting team because they're, they're doing the twin tower thing that Minnesota's trying, but they're succeeding at it with Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, which is great. We'll get to Minnesota weeks from now, but uh, the Cavs, James. So they won 51 games last year. Kind of like I mentioned two weeks ago, a lot of these over-unders are set, I think, a little low just to be a little conservative, is at 50 and a half. So pretty much they're saying they're going to have the exact same season. So do you think over-under 50 and a half for the Cleveland Cavaliers? I have them at over. I have them at 55 games. 55 games. Because you think they're going to potentially be in the top three seeding. Yes, sir. Bold move. I love it. Ty, what about you? Yeah, I like them over as well. Trading? <laughs> um, just to be different, I'll take the under. Okay. I like that. I I'm going to take the over on this one. I think this is a team that we, you know, we talked about it last, last year. Like, will they be, will Donovan Mitchell be enough? Do they need a third or, you know, a second star? And they really didn't like they had a fantastic year and hopefully they can just build upon that, um, coming into 2023 Tyler, it is your turn, buddy. The hockey <laughs> bucks. They finished as the one seed and won 58 games. They went 58 and 24 last year. Unfortunately, James predicted it correctly, and they lost the Miami Heat in the first round. Shout out to you, James, because none of us, none of us, the rest of us predicted that. <laughs> they gained uh, Malik Beasley, Robin Lopez, uh, Drew Tim, and they re-signed Brooke Lopez. So both Lopez brothers are on the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, they also re-signed Chris Middleton and Jay Crowder. Uh, they did lose a lot of veteran guys. Uh, Javon Carter, Goran Dragic, Joe Ingles, Miles Leonard, and Wesley Matthews. As we all know, like Traden mentioned earlier, the NBA is a star-driven league, and the Milwaukee Bucks have one of the top three stars in the NBA in Giannis Antetokounmpo. And this offseason, Giannis kind of hinted that winning is like everything to him. And there were some rumors floating around that if you know Milwaukee gets off to a bad start, or maybe they kind of flame out in the postseason again, you know, he could be looking elsewhere or demanding a trade or whatever that may be. So Tyler, I mean, how, where do you think the bucks are going this year? And, you know, do you think this like Giannis 
little bit of drama could like potentially be a little bit of a, like a shadow on their season. It will be, they obviously lose, but I think that, you know, I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a guy who wants to compete. I, I, I think that's a healthy mindset to have. So I don't think it's going to cast a shadow from the get-go, but obviously if they start losing and at the trade deadline, you know, they're, they're, they're not in the playoff spot, then yeah, it's going to, it's going to cause a lot of drama off, off the court. But I think this Milwaukee Bucks team, you know, is still, is still very talented. They're still not that far removed from, from, from their, from their championship run. Um, they still got, you know, most of that core intact. I think they're still going to be a very good team. Obviously I think they're a little bit younger this year, a little bit, a little bit, not as much of that, of that veteran presence, which I think could be a positive, but obviously with, with younger players, they still, they still have to develop. So they might go, go through some growing pain. So I don't know if they're going to be like maybe the elite of that Eastern conference, like they've been, but I definitely think they're still going to be a playoff team. No doubt. Um, I think that they're still going to be competing for a uh, championship. So I think a little bit different of a look of a, of a, especially on, on, on the, on their depth side, I think a little bit of a different look for the, for the bucks um, a little bit younger, but at the, like I said, I think the most of their core is still there and they're still going to be a, a, a very good basketball team this year. Yeah. I mean, I think we look at the bucks and think if they're not a top four seed in the East, that would be kind of shocking. Um, you know, them like missing the playoffs would is kind of un, unthought of. They're still one of the teams, you know, I think that we would consider one of the better title contenders in the Eastern conference, but yeah, that, you know, like for a long time, it was Giannis and Chris Middleton. And there was debates for a little bit there where like Chris Middleton was actually the guy over Giannis that's kind of ended, you know, Chris Middleton has really had some kind of rough seasons, like the last two seasons, a little bit. I think it kind of, in in a way it kind of starts and ends with him. If he can have a bounce back season, the bucks are really scary. If he's hurt or a little bit slower, I mean, he's had about a bunch of like knee and ankle problems, which obviously for a basketball player is the not where you want to be hurting. Um, it, it will, it will affect where the bucks go. I really hope that, you know, Giannis, they win and he stays. I'm a big fan of smaller market teams having, you know, a face of the franchise, you know, all like Dirk Nowitzki with the Mavs and he stayed his whole, this whole career. I think that's awesome. Um, so I hope he stays and I hope everything goes well in Milwaukee, but like I mentioned, Ty, they had 58 wins last year. Their over unders at 53 and a half. You kind of mentioned you might see a little bit of a dip in them. So where do, what do you think about that over under? Yeah, that's, I think that's a tough one. I think I had them right around there, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go over. I think it'll run 54, 55 for the bucks. Uh, so just over that mark. All right. Trading. What do you think? Yeah. I have the over here too. <clears throat> James. I think it's so interesting that Giannis wants to win yet. He's making management sign all of his brothers. So for that <laughs> under. Okay. Oh, I like that. I mean, do you, they, they still feel like a 50 win team to you, right? James. Yeah. They're 50, but not 55 or so. Okay. I'm going to go over. I think they are like a 54 win team. Like I think it's really close. I think that's another really good line. Um, but James, that is all I've got for the NBA this week. Next week, we'll move on to the last part of the Eastern conference. After the Eastern conference, it's our favorite, the Western conference. Cause we have West coast bias. Cause we're from California. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. Oh yeah. Gonna take a quick break, but when you return, Traden is talking hockey. Hello and welcome, and welcome back. I should say the TLDR podcast and our Atlantic Division led by Traden. 
Yes, sir. So we're going to go to the Atlantic Division after we finish the Metro last week. Um, just so you guys know, um, over the next couple of weeks, we are going to do one more divisional. And then I'm going to take a pause on the divisional to do our um, in-season cup. And then we'll finish out the last division because I can't, we cannot do the TLDR uh, in-season cup after a single game has been played. We have to do it before that. So um, even if it means the, the previews go a, a week late, who cares? Um, the TL, <laughs> this in-season cup is way more important than that. I think everybody here agrees. I see. <laughs> so, um, so, um, I'm very excited for that. So we're going to start at the bottom, um, of the division from last year, very similar to how Alex just did it, um, over in the NBA. Um, we're going to start with the Montreal Canadians. None of the guys wanted to talk about the Habs. So I'm going to talk about the Habs here. Um, they went 31, 45 and six, not, not great, <laughs> but you know, you're in the top <laughs> division. So what can you, what, you know, what, what can you really do? Um, so they in comes Alex Newhook um, and Casey DeSmith, goal, uh, the goaltender. Out goes Mike Hoffman, Jonathan Drewin, Dennis Guryanov, uh, Chris Tierney, Rem Pitlick, Jeff Petrie, and Joel Edmondson. Um, the, the, the Habs were a bit, um, you know, slow in the, uh, in the offseason. I, I thought, I didn't think that they made some, some crazy moves. I, they do have the young, you know, the young forwards and stars and Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. Um, you know, you, you got get, Caden Gould and um, Jordan Harris on the back end. So, so there's a nucleus forming there. Um, but I think that they're actually a year or two away from where the, the that next tier of teams are. Um, I'm, uh, I'm talking uh, the Senators. I'm talking Buffalo. I'm talking the Red Wings. And that's that's leaving out the the even the upper echelon teams that are seem to be always in the playoffs. Um, however, I will preface this whole division by saying this might be the most interesting the Atlantic division will be will be going into its um, season. I think that for the last few years, we've kind of expected that those top four teams to kind of take it over. I actually am going to make a bold move and say bold prediction and say one of the four that made it last year and the last several years will not make it. So, um, and it will just be, uh, it, it just, it will be a um, battle to see who that is. Um, I, I worry about, um, you know, goaltending. I worry about, um, you know, just this, the, the Habs just, you know, continuing to build. I think they're going to build, but, um, you know, I think they're still, um, a, a little ways off. So, um, at the end of the day, I think that, um, I think that, uh, Vegas agrees the, the, uh, the point, uh, the point set is set at 70 and a half. Um, it opened at 70 and a half last season. They finished with 68 points. So James, actually, I'll say, I'll, I'll go first. I'm going to say, um, I, I think, uh, they're good for the over here. Um, I think it's going to be tight, but, um, I, you know, I think they're right around 69, 69 wins. So I'll take the over James. What about you, buddy? Under under, you are not a fan of the, of the carry priceless Habs, <laughs> Alex. <laughs> I believe they traded for my guy, Tanner Pearson today. So I'm going to take the over just based just on for that. Yeah, just for that. I love that. Tie tie. I'm gonna go under. You're gonna go under. Okay. Um, James, you are going to take us through the Detroit Red Wings, uh, who had a okay season. They kind of fell off. Uh they went they went 35, 37, and 10 for 80 points. Um, they they really had a strong um, you know, start, but they they really started to to trail off um, you know, tor- towards the end there. Um, JT Comfort comes in, Alex Brinkett, Christian Fisher, Shane Gossespierre, uh, Justin Hall, Clem Costin from the Edmonton Oilers, Alex Leon, Jeff Petrie, 
for, from a former Edmonton Oilers as well. <laughs> James Reimer and Daniel Sprong out goes Adam um, Adam Earn, um, Robert Hag, Magnus Helberg, Dominic Kubalik, Gustav, Gustav Lindstrom, Alex Ndelkovich, Jordan Osterley, Pia Suter, and Philip Sedina. Holy, that is a mouthful. Detroit made freaking moves. A lot of new names here in in Detroit, James. Um, I, I, they turned over nearly forty percent of their roster. They addressed some huge. They addressed some huge needs. They're also in a division that I again I think is very interesting. So the question is, you have you have the uh, top tier teams. You have that that emerging tier teams, which uh, I, I will repeat are Buffalo, Ottawa, and Detroit. Um, in that order, the last couple of seasons. So I ask you, is is it Detroit's time to really push for a playoff spot? And do you think that they will do so? And based off all the moves I just did, I'm tempted to say yes. Like they made big moves this offseason, and it looks like moves to compete after selling it last year's trade deadline. That is a quick turnaround, but I guess that's the NHL for you guys. Uh, I in years past, they kind of struggled with offensive output, right? They struggled with shot totals and possession in the zone, in the offensive zone. But the addition of Debrinkat is huge. It is huge. He's a two-time 40-plus goal scorer. Last season in 27, that was a down year from, okay, whatever. But having him on that first line is going to just do wonders because it's going to push down um, the Lucas Raymond. He's going to go to the second line, which would be great. Now your second line has some depth to it. Like, everything is working well for this team and offensively. And on the defensive side of the puck, like, I said puck, by the way. So, that was great. Vila Huso... I've hated on for a long time. He did not do that well last season. Far for the course. But bringing in James Reimer and bringing in Jeff Petrie, who played with Ben Sherratt in Montreal, that could be some good chemistry on that second defensive line. That first defensive line with Sider is still going to be good. And I think that that in total is going to help Ville Husso and James Reimer to be better defensively and be better goal stoppers. And I think at this point in time, this team, the Detroit Red Wings, are making that push to the top of the emerging tier and might, might, might kick out one of those like stalwarts that have been there for years. I, I, it seems like Vegas somewhat agrees. Um, Detroit's over under is 84 and a half for points. They finished with 80. Last year, they opened up with 84 and a half. 84 is not going to cut it. It's not, it's, it's not even really sniffing the wild card, but. You make some good points. They're, they're a little, they're a lot deeper. There's not really much to worry about, but they're definitely a team that is deeper. So James, 84 and a half. I assume you're taking the over. I am definitely taking the over. I have as much confidence in them as I did last year when I took them with a second overall pick with the with the uh Stanley Cup thing. In the East Season Cup. Jeez. Yeah. That's that that was that was crazy play, but hey, they won you some points. So Tyler, 84 and a half for the Detroit Red Wings. Under. Under. So, so you think they're going to stay largely about the same? Yeah. Okay. Alex. I, oh, I'm going to say over, but I don't think they're a playoff team. Yeah. I I'm, I'm actually going to say under, I actually don't think, and that's not to say that they're bad. I think they're going to be like 84. That's a, that's an improvement, but we have so much, we have, we have probably a, the Atlantic is clearly the stronger division across the board than the, than the Metro and they're going to beat each other to shit. And, um, and that just takes away from potential, um, you know, points. It's just kind of how it goes. Unfortunately, um, Ottawa senators, James, you're, you're going back to back here, buddy. 
Uh, we're going to go to the Ottawa Senators. Who's new? In comes goaltender Jonas Corposalo, Dominic Kubalik, uh, Zach uh, McEwen, Vladimir Tarasenko, who's gone, Derek Brassard, Alex Debrinkit, Dylan Ga- uh, Gambrel, Nick Holden, Cam Talbot, and Austin Watson. A uh, little bit of a trade between a uh, little bit of a shifting of the, of the players between the Red Wings and senators here. Um, the senators have been, you know, trending upward, you know, fairly consistently, James, we've seen them, you know, consistently get better and better, but it, it just seems like, you know, they, they can't get over the hump injuries were, was a huge issue for the senators last year. Um, and, you know, and there, I, I would say that there's some, question marks around the goaltending side. I don't know what we're going to get out of those guys, but at the end of the day, they do have a very, very strong, um, you know, a talented forward line top, a good top four defenseman. Um, do you think this team is a playoff team? Ah, that's a, that's a loaded question, man. What am I? (laughs) I, okay. I like what the centers did in the off season. Not as much as like what the Red Wings did in the off season. The Red Wings have to do better, much better this season than they did last season. And the Senators have to do a little bit better because they were, they finished a little bit better than the Red Wings did last season. I agree with you saying that the Senators have one of the best forward lines, top nine. They, they, have, they have the deepest top nine in the NHL for the most part. But that last that last three ain't cutting it. But uh, the injuries, I think, play a big part of it. Like Claude Giroux was a massive part of that first line last season. He's heading up there in age there's a good chance he could get injured or the NHL might do trade-ins biggest nightmare and implement this policy where you can have players take rest days now in terms of load management. Claude Giroux would fit under that. He's that old and he's played that many games. Mm-hmm. If that happens, you're missing that first line because he was the guy that did all the passing. He was, you have Brady's Chuck there. Cool. And uh, Stutzel, that cool too. But Giroux was the guy that made everything happen. Before that, when they didn't have Drew, nothing really happened. Drew was the big dude. If you lose him, you're done. Josh Norris was done for a long period of time because he he got injured. The playoff hopes of the centers went down the drain. The possibility of him coming back and being full strength again is not that high just yet. I still got to see it. If you miss an entire season due to injury, that's not good for you or your chance of coming back to be the best player that you were before. Okay? Jonas Kopasalo had a great regular season, but got smacked by the Oilers. And that was the last time we saw him play. How is he going to be mentally when he comes into the season? I don't know. And so I get where that goaltending thing comes into play there. Overall, I think they did, they're going to do better than they did last season. But I don't think they're making the playoffs. Yeah, I mean it's it's tight. Um, I I I apologize for uh for not telling you guys they they went thirty nine thirty five and eight for eighty six points. Um, that's good to know because now we're going to go into the the over unders here. Um, Vegas is very it thinks just like you, James. Um, they are at ninety one and a half. So the over here would have put you into the playoffs by a single point. And gr- granted, you also had the tiebreaker. Um, they opened last year at 86 and a half and they finished with 86. So they missed it by a stupid, um, gimme point in the, in the, in overtime, James, where do you see the, uh, the Ottawa centers at 91 and a half? I am under, you have them under. Okay. So, um, uh, uh, maybe a move forward, but not quite enough to, to make the playoffs. Uh, what about you, Alex? I'm also going to take the under. This feels like a team that has a lot of big names, but over overvalued big names. I'm going to go under. 
Yeah, I'm taking the under two for the overvalued big names. Um, and mostly because you need some room for the team that I think is going to make the playoffs. Tyler. Yeah, under as well. Under as well. We're we're fading the uh the senators a little bit. Not that we hate them, not that we hate them, Senators fans on this podcast, but um, we just don't uh, like them as much as you know, Vegas does right now. Uh, moving on to the Buffalo Sabres, Tyler, this is for you. You took, you took Buffalo. Um, who's new? Do- uh, defenseman T- Connor Clifton um, and defenseman Eric Johnson um, and goal- goalie Devon Levi, Devin Levi, excuse me. Uh, who's gone? Craig Anderson, goaltender and defenseman Ilya Labushkin. The Sabres missed the playoffs by a single point. Um, they ended up going 42, 33, and 7 for 91 points, missing it by literally a point. Um, and I had them making it last season. So uh, it, it was it was a it was a damn good fight to the end, but they kind of fell off in that uh, you know, two thirds mark and and they just couldn't um, you know fix it. So um, and they were strong. We, uh, Tyler, we saw that they were strong early. Um, this is a very fun team to watch, very fun offensively. Defensively, they have some issues. Goaltending, they may they have some question marks. Um, so my, my question for you, Tyler, is do does this team mature enough? They're the youngest team in the in they're even younger than the Devils. So they're the youngest team with in terms of experience and in terms of just overall age. Um, but it's it's losses like this and misses the playoffs that bring you together. They looked much, much better than they have. Um, the question is, is does the, now we, I think we can assume that the offense is fine. Is the defense going to be improved enough where they get that extra point or more? I do think so. I, I like this Buffalo team a lot. I think those, those veterans, uh, the defensemen and Clifton and Johnson are going to really hopefully help that, uh, defensive line. Um, I think, I think Johnson especially is going to be a great veteran presence for a lot of these younger players. Um, the goaltending is a little bit of a, of an issue. I think they got like three goalies that potentially could be their guy. I think Levi seems like the favorite. So that's probably like their biggest weakness. But like you said, offensively, this is a young, exciting team. I think they're going to build off the confidence that they gained last year and that, and that adversity as well. Um, I think they're trending upwards. I I like I like this team. Um, I think they're going to be a very exciting group if they can get that. If if, if those um, additions they added on the on the defense works out, and I think if they can figure out and they can find that their their one A goaltender, this could be a very 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 good hockey team. Yeah, and uh, Vegas agrees. Um, this is the this is um, Vegas's first team from the Atlantic that makes the playoffs according to their uh, their estimates. So they have the over under set at ninety three and a half. Now, mind you, last season they had it at seventy seven and a half, in which I'm pretty sure you guys wrote the the over under for that because you guys were all. I think most of you would have been under that. They finished with ninety one. I was the only one that believed in them, and they were so damn close. Tyler, do they do they beat that ninety three and a half? Uh, uh, bogey they do over for the sabers over for the sabers james under under well yeah you gotta you know you, you're fighting with the other two teams i feel it <laughs> alex oh you know what i'm gonna say over i don't like it because i it's the buffalo sabers and you can never trust them but we'll do it yeah, I, I'm taking the over here. Um, this is one of the teams that could be the team that pushes out one of the teams from the Atlantic. Um, again, that, that's also assuming that we see some improvement on the on the Metro side, um, but they only have three teams going from the Metro um, and and uh, four to five teams coming from the uh, from the Atlantic. So, um, they, I guess in this case, an Atlantic team wouldn't fall out, but I still think that we have some potential for um, fallback in these next couple teams. Actually, Alex. 
we are going to you. We're going to the fourth team that uh, that actually did make the playoff last year. We're going to talk about the Florida Panthers. They went 42, 32, and 8 for 92 points, barely making it. But then they went on a fucking tear in the playoffs, beating the incredible Boston Bruins in what was none other than just incredible uh, uh, first, first round um, uh, comeback there. And then they kind of just dominated until they faced the Vegas Golden Knights, in which they really had no chance because they all died. <laughs> Like as James says, when an injury happens on the field, they all died. Yeah. That's, that's what happened to Florida. <laughs> so, so who's, who comes in? We have defenseman, all Oliver Ekman Larson, uh, you know, career uh, veteran uh, de- uh, defenseman, Dmitry Kulikov, Stephen Lawrence, uh, Nico Mikola, Mike Riley, Evan Rodriguez, Anthony Stolars and Kevin Stunland. Who's gone. Anthony Duclair, Radko Gudis, um, Aleski Heponiemi, Patrick Hornquist, G- uh, Giovanni Smith, Eric Stahl, Mark Stahl, Colin White. A a lot of pieces have been moved here, um, and and I mean, it, who who's to say you know how they're going to fit? Um, Alex, I think Ma- Matt Kinchuk is 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 clearly the is deserved of um, you know the the all the accolades he got. He was absolutely superstar in that playoff run. Um, the question is for you: Was that playoff run too? much for them in terms of the injuries and 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 do you think that if this team has any injury issues and obviously we have Aaron Eckblad and Brandon Montour requiring off um uh offseason sh- shoulder surgery they're their top two defensemen um if they can't come back do the do the Panthers make the playoffs yeah I mean look the the Panthers for pretty much two months before the playoffs started were playing do or die games like they generally played playoff type level games for four months straight, almost last year. Like they had a wild season and obviously the trade of, you know, Kachuk for Huberto was the main storyline last year. It got off kind of a rough start for both of those teams. And then the Panthers obviously went on this incredible run. The injuries to Ekblad and Montour are pretty scary. I mean, Ekblad is probably the longest tenured Panther. If I had to take a guess, um, you know, and is kind of one of the heart and souls of that team. I do think there, I'm a little worried about them. I think Matthew Kachuk is put himself into a conversation as like a top five guy in the league. Um, like he had just an incredible season and an incredible playoff run, but the like, and we talk about the, you know, we talk about the goalies and goalie Bob is one of the most up and down goalies. I think we've seen in the last half a decade or pretty much since we've been doing this podcast, we've had a lot of, a lot of things to say about goalie Bob on this pod. Um, so to answer your question, yes, I think with all of those months of do or die hockey and as James would say, they all died by the time they got to the end. <laughs> I think they're, I think they might potentially take a little bit of a step back or it's going to be, have to be another kind of like heroic effort um, for them to kind of stay afloat for a little bit. All right. Well, um, Vegas disagrees with you. Interestingly enough, Vegas has this team third in their division um, sitting at 99 and a half points over under last season, they opened at 105, and a half. Now the, now we have to remember the season prior, they were the president's trophy team. They were incredible. Um, and then they only finished with 92. So I ask you, Alex is 99 and a half too rich for you. 
I am going to take the over, but I still think they can be like a mid nineties team. So like, I still think they're going to be pretty good. It's just, I think they may get off to a little bit of a slow start. And if the Ekblad Montour thing, like if their injuries take too long, then I'd be, you know, a little worried. So, so you're taking the, it's 99. Yeah, I'm taking the, I'm taking the under 99. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I'm going to take the under, but I still but, think they but nothing too up. low. Not, 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 yeah. you think they'll make a improvement. So James, what about you? Yeah, it's too rich for me, man. I'm going under. You're going under as well. What about you, Ty? Under. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a little bit scared of that. Of that, um, I do think that this is a, a shoe in for a playoff team, and I don't think that they're going to have to freaking scrap it at, towards the end, Alex. I think that this is a better team uh, in terms of what they've learned, and and they're a little bit more calmed down. I think that they played a lot of hockey, and they were they got injured, but I think even with those top two defensemen, I think they're going to kind of settle and they'll be okay. Um, let's talk about the other team in Florida, Alex. Uh, let's talk about the, the Tampa Bay lightning. So, um, in comes, uh, Logan Brown, Calvin DeHaan, Luke Glendening, uh, goaltender, Jonas Johansson, Tyler Mott and Connor Sheary, who's gone Pierre Edward Belmar, Ian Cole, Ross Colton, Brian Elliott, Alex Kalorn, a fan favorite, Pat Maroon, a fan favorite and Corey Perry, probably a fan favorite. Oh boy. Alex, this seems to be the case every single year for Tampa Bay. They have to replace guys. And it is my opinion that the guys that they replaced versus who they lost, the guys that they lost are better than the guys they gained. I think that that's kind of what we've seen over the last few years. Also, this team has played since, uh, you know, since August 3rd to 2020, the, which was the moment that the lightning were, uh, were eliminated in the first round against the Maple Leafs. Uh, I'm sorry. August 3rd until they were eliminated by the Maple Leafs um, in two, uh, in April 2023. The Lightning played 297 games in 999 days. That's just under one game every three freaking days, including off seasons. They played a lot of fucking hockey. My question, Alex, with the with the turnover in the rosters and this aging core, even though this is the core, um, despite the fact that it is the Lightning, are they poised for a missing of the playoffs? I think that might be taking it a little far. I think where you can't trust the Buffalo Sabres to perform well. I think with this specific Tampa Bay lightning team, you can't under ask them, I guess, or like you can't think that they're going to underperform. I do agree with you. I think especially Alex Kalorn, like that is a huge loss. Obviously the cap, the cap situation in Tampa, we've talked about it now for almost a year and a half is getting more and more dicey. And with the face of their franchise, you know, potentially being a free agent at the end of next year, Steven Stamkos, they'll have to see if they can work something out with him as well. Um, I, I, you know, and this is, you're right. They played a lot of hockey games, you know, three trips to the cup in a row, two wins, the shortened off season in between their win during the COVID season. Like this Tampa team has played a lot, but you know, what helps when you have Andre motherfucking Vasilevsky has your goal, <laughs> yeah. if he's on the, if he's on the ice and you still have Victor Hedman and you still have Stamkos and you still have Kucherov and you still have Braden point, that's a playoff team. I don't know if we can consider them one of the top, top echelon teams in the East, but at the same time, if it's June, whatever. And we're like, we're talking about a Stanley cup preview. And then we're like Tampa Bay lightning Eastern conference champs. Wouldn't surprise me because I just, you just can't put it past them. Yeah. Uh, that's Tampa Bay for you. Last year, they went 46, 30 and six for 98 points this season. Vegas has them at 96 and a half. So a point back, 
Um, they opened last year at 103 and a half, and obviously they missed it with 98. Alex, I ask you, where are you at with 96 and a half? I'm going to take the over. I think they hit 100 pretty much on the dot. Okay, I'm actually going to take the over as well. This is Tampa Bay. They are one of the best, if not the best coach uh, team in the league. They are going to be fucking hungry, especially Andre Vasilevsky. Um, I'd be worried about this team because they had a lot more rest than they've had in the past. Um, yeah, watch out because they're going to be hungry and this might be a last dance situation. James, do you agree or disagree? I agree, man. I'm going over. I lost too much money in them in the past and I'm not making mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be the case. And now watch, they're going to really tank it. Uh, Tyler? Yeah, over. I think it's a mistake to underestimate Tampa Bay. Yeah, it, it, it seems to be the case every single freaking season. Now we're going to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs, who we always over-evaluate in the regular season because they are probably, if not the best regular season team of consistency over the last few years, but just do sh- terrible in the in the playoffs. And I got to be honest with you guys, Tampa Bay should have won that series. They were the better team. It just, it, it just was this destiny that you can't win against a team that continues to push you down um, you know, over and over again because they looked horrible in the next in the next uh, next round so um but here we are tampa bit uh, i'm sorry toronto i i took them no one else wanted to talk about toronto i can only get imagine why they went uh 50 21 and 11 um for 111 points you guys love just making me talk about this team um who's new <laughs> general manager brad tree living a guy i absolutely uh really like even though he was a former calgary gm and now he's a freaking toronto maple leaf gm Objectively, I think he's incredible. Um, Tyler uh, brings in Tyler Bertuzzi, guys that on this podcast know very well. Max Domi, Dylan Gambrell, Martin Jones, John Klingberg, and Ryan Reeves. Who goes and who's gone? GM Kyle Dubas. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. Nola Chari, uh, Zach Aston Reese, Michael Bunting, Eric Gustafson, Jer- Justin Hall, Alex Calgren, Alex Kerfoot, Matt Murray, Ryan O'Reilly, Luke Shannon, Wayne Simmons. They lost a lot of guys that they all went all in for. Um, but they signed Austin Matthews. So Austin Matthews is signed at least for four more years. Uh, it's a wonder why he doesn't want to sign long, longer term. That's been the biggest question mark, but it's probably because he probably can get a, a lot bigger paycheck in four years when the cap goes up. Um, they're still led by Austin Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Morgan Riley, and Captain John Tavares. This team is going to be fine in the in the regular season. They are probably going to be the best team in the in the uh, Atlantic Division. I have no doubt about that. They even probably could be the best team in the um, in the entire East. Um, I know that the Devils and Hurricanes will have something to say about that, but um, but I I do think that they are going to be there. The biggest question is: Are they going to do well in the playoffs? I have to think that the guys that they brought in the the Tyler Bertuzzi's the Max. Uh, Max Domi's uh, more so Max Domi, Dylan Gambrell. Um, these are, and Ryan Reeves. These are guys that are, are take no shit. They are going to try and fix any of the uh, locker room issues that may, may be there in the playoffs when it comes to the mental side. They are guys that will go to bat for you as long as you're competing. This is a make it or break it for this for this um, core, and and this is absolutely it. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like we say this every year, but I I can't imagine that that they'll let them go one more year if they miss the first round or they have a terrible showing in the second round. So, um, that's the biggest question mark. They're going to be fine um, in the regular season, but are they going to be okay in the playoffs? That's the biggest question. Um, The Vegas actually has them going down. Uh, 106.5 uh, points, even though they got 111 last year. Uh, for context, they they the thing was set at 107 and a half, and they finished with 111. 
I'm going to take the over. Um, this team's fantastic in the regular season. I can't imagine they're going to be that, uh, take a step back. Uh, what about you, Tyler? Over as well. Uh, Alex? Over. Over and James? Definitely over. Definitely over. Okay. Now, now we're going to talk about the Boston Bruins. The Boston Bruins were the by far the best team in the league. They, they, they had easily the most wins at 65, 12, and uh, 12 losses and five overtime points for 135 points. A, 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 a sorry, a league record. Um, and now they sit here with a much different lineup <laughs> because they lost a lot of big guys. Who's new? Jesper Bolquist, Patrick Brown, Morgan Geeky, Milan Lucic, Jason, Milan Lucic is back by the way, Jason Megna, Kevin Shattenkirk and James Aaron Riesdyk. Who's gone? Patrice Bergeron has left us. He is retired. Sad, sad day. Tyler Bertuzzi, Connor Clifton, Nick Foligno, T- Taylor Hall. Garnet Hathaway, Garnet Hathaway, Dave, David Krejci, another guy who just followed uh, Patrice Bergeron's steps there. Thomas Nosek, Dmitry Orlov, and Mike Riley. The Bruins still have, Tyler, you wanted to talk about Boston. They still have Hampus Lindholm, uh, Brad Marchand, Charlie McAvoy. In terms of, in terms of defensive, uh, you know, a defensive pairing, Lindholm and, and McAvoy may be of the best, if not the best. Uh, Patrick, uh, David Pasternak, Lainis Allmark, they have an incredible, incredible, um, core there but they're they lost Bertrand they lost Krejci these guys are I mean now the the Selkie's completely up for grabs first of all <laughs> um <laughs> uh David Krejci missing David Krejci he's just a guy that's a critical second line guy um Bergeron he was a part of every single facet of every single freaking game whether it's the power play penalty kill five on five he was just an incredible he's just one of the best he's going to the hall of fame for sure and you've and you've lost him um, you have an aging core to an ex to, to, to in terms of Brad Marchant. Um, and, uh, but the other guys are, you know, they're, they still have, they're still a little bit younger, but losing those guys is huge. And I think they lost a lot of other great pieces. They're, they're due for a step back. Where do you see Boston here? I mean, are we going to see a, um, another record where they fall in terms of the most points year over year in, in, in league history? <laughs> I mean, just because of how great they were last year, <laughs> maybe. Um, but I, you know, this is definitely not the juggernaut from last season. You know, you, like I said, we, they didn't lose just talent. They, they lost the heart and soul of this franchise. Um, that is hard, hard to replace. And it's, they're not going to replace it. Um, you know, it's like the Patriots, <clears throat> the Patriots losing Tom Brady a few years ago. It's just, it's so hard to replace a guy that's been that, lo- that's brought so many championships and, and leadership to that franchise for years and years and years. Um, so it's, but as you mentioned, the core of this team is still very, very good. They're definitely still a playoff hockey team, but they're not going to be that juggernaut. This, this was world record setting group of guys. Um, so they'll, they'll definitely take a step back, but that's not saying a lot much is because of how great they were last year. So yeah, in terms of point differential from, from last year, this year, it, it could be one of the biggest, but I think that just speaks to what it was last year. So I, I think it, you can't really compare them to last year's team because they're not, but I still think, you know, looking at, at, at this core in this group, and if you compare it to the rest of the teams, this division, I, I, for me, they're, they're a lock for the postseason barring some insane collapse of a year that they might have, but I think they're still a very good hockey team and, 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 and will be a favorite for sure. Yeah. Uh, Vegas agrees there. They, they have them at 101 and a half points. Um, noted they opened at 95 and a half last season. I would say they, they hit the over guys just a little bit. 
135. <laughs> Tyler, um, do you like him at 101 and a half? Yeah, I got him over for there. You got him over for there. Okay, what about you, James? Uh, <laughs> Let's go under. Let's go under, yeah. What about you, uh, Alex? I'm still going to take the over. I think that's a lot. I mean, they're going to obviously have a less point season, but I'm going to still take the over. Yeah, I actually think they big, take a bigger step back than, than even that. I think they're going to be an under team here. Um, I, I can't bet against that culture because it's just like there's some teams in some sports that are just always good. They're always competitive, and that's Boston no matter what. Um, but I do think they big take a big step back, even if it's just the mental side of of having to back that season up, a horrible playoff showing. And um, losing their their uh, their Patrice Bergeron, so um, I'm going to take the under here. And that, my friends, is all we have for the Atlantic Division. We're going to the West next week, uh, and we're going to talk about. We're probably going to talk about the Pacific because we care more about that before we get it um, before we get into uh, the in season cup. So, James, that's all we got for the Atlantic. The West Coast bias continues for next week. Hope you guys enjoyed that. We're going to take another quick break before. Uh, Tyler talks about the East and stuff <laughs> in the <memo. laughs> Spow, everybody. That is the name of this segment. It's no longer MLBO Dams. It's going to be called Spow. Trade it. Tell us why. Because it's the series picks of the weeks. That's Tyler's new thing. Spow. Spow. So we're going to talk about the East and Spow. Tyler, take it away. <laughs> I love it. Spow it is. Um, yeah, so we're obviously getting down to the last two weeks of the regular season. So that's pretty much all there is to talk about right now with with, with baseball. Um, so just the MLB posting picture right now, we had a few teams that that, that clinched a division or a playoff spot last week. Uh, the, the Braves, not, not surprisingly, clinched the National League East division. The Dodgers clinched their 10th National League West title in the last 11 years. And then the Orioles and the Rays, they both clinched a postseason spot um, last week. So those four teams are in. Um, the next closest team that can clinch a spot is the Minnesota Twins. Their magic number is at four. Uh, so they could easily clinch um, that division this week. The Milwaukee Brewers are the next closest. Their magic number is seven to clinch the National League Central. And then everything else is, is probably going to come down to the last couple games of the, of, of the year. So there, there, there's a lot of really tight races still left. Um, you know, and we're going to talk about one of those tight races, um, the American league East, uh, going into today, the, um, Rays and the Orioles were only separated by two and a half games. They had a big weekend series last weekend. It was one of our series picks of the week. It was a four game series. They ended up splitting it. So it was kind of a wash to kind of preview what we'll talk about next, but, uh, it was a great series. Um, the, 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 the Rays won the first two games and the Orioles bounced back. Uh, to win the next two. So the Rays came in within a half a game of, uh, of, of overtaking the Orioles, but the Orioles were able to, to hold their ground and, 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 and take the final two. We had a couple of blowout games, a couple of really good close tight games, um, really fun series to watch. Um, so Baltimore, as they enter this week, have a two and a half, uh, game lead on Tampa Bay. So the question is, you know, uh, uh you know, with, with, with these two teams going the last two weeks, do they hold on and win that AL East? Uh, crown um trade. What about you? What do you think? What do you think? Yeah, 
I mean, just given the fact that Baltimore has a nice, a little bit of a cushion the last two weeks here. And I, I actually think they have just an easier schedule. I think they're going to hold on to it, even though I don't like them after that, you know, three weeks ago, I had a conversation where I hate what they did to that announcer, but um, I, I wish they'd not make first, but they're, they're <laughs> gonna, they, they have an easier schedule and um, you know, good, good, good on them. Good on them. Train's a big grudge holder, but uh, yeah, James, what do you think? He is a big grudge holder. That's hilarious. Uh, Baltimore, as you had to say, Say all the yeah, time. I know I say it weird. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think they hold on. Um, they split the series, right? And then they went on to now win four straight in a row. That's what the team is about. They've bounced back. They don't hold grudges. And they just continue trucking forward. And just like Trayton said, it, they, they do have an easier schedule. Like the Rays, for example, play the Angels who suck, whatever. But they also play Boston and Toronto. Toronto, they have a seven game. They pretty much have seven games at the end of the season. Just them. And they're going to be playing for their life, right? Because Toronto wants to make the playoffs. So those aren't going to be easy games. But the Orioles, on the other hand, play Cleveland, Washington, and Boston, all of which aren't the Red Sox, aren't going to make the playoffs. So I think they're going to kind of cruise those ones. So I still got Baltimore being the first. Alex? Yeah, uh, I agree with all the boys. Um, You know, I thought if Tampa was going to do it, they needed to win three out of four. Um, and with the new like MLB tiebreaker rules, you know, the game 163 is like not really a thing anymore. Um, Tampa, I mean, Baltimore now holds the tiebreaker over Tampa. So even if they finish the season tied, like we saw with the, you know, with the Mets and the Braves last year, Baltimore will win the division. So really they almost have like a three and a half game lead. If you look at it in that perspective, which just, and like James and Trayton mentioned, easier schedule, huge comeback win against Houston last night. And then another big win against Houston. Like this team's rolling um, Baltimore Orioles all the way, baby. Yeah. They're having an incredible year. I think the Rays really need, needed to sweep uh, the Orioles last week and to really be in the conversation. Cause I think from here on out, I think the Orioles are going to have a fairly easy time of it. And I think they should hold on to that lead. And they just seem, I've I've talked about before. They just seem immune to like these long losing streaks. They're, they're, they're just one of the more consistently good teams. They don't, they don't necessarily go on insane winning streaks, but they just don't lose a lot either. And they, they, they just consistently win series. Um, Probably the best team in baseball that's done it all year, to be honest with you, other than maybe the Atlanta Braves of like avoiding a really major losing um, skid. So I like Baltimore a, a lot here to, to hold on to, to the um, uh, American league East title, which huge upset. I think a, a lot of us had that coming. So uh, we'll see how they, you know, do the rest of the way, but um, let's move on to our series picks of the week. Um, God damn it, James. You just, you just keep on trolling along. Uh, let's recap last week. Uh, the Dodgers at the Mariners, we all had the Dodgers winning that series. The Dodgers ended up sweeping, which James, you and I both picked the sweep of the Dodgers. So we get the win and the extra point, but everyone got at least one point um, on that one. I, I mentioned the Rays and the Orioles. Um, uh, obviously that, that, that one was a, was a split. So we kind of all split even on that one. And then the goddamn Cubs had the Diamondbacks. Uh, yeah. So Alex, you had the Diamondbacks sweeping, which is exactly what they did. So you got two wins on that one. Uh, James, you also picked the Diamondbacks. So you got another win traded. Unfortunately, you got the reverse sweep penalty. So you picked the Cubs to sweep. They got swept. I picked the Cubs to win the series. I did not pick in the sweep. So I just, I just get the single L on that one. I picked the Cubs to beat the Diamondbacks. 
two weeks in a row and they let me down. So God damn it, Chicago. What the hell? Uh, so last week's records, Al, uh, Alex and James, you both had a nice three and O week. Um, trading, you were one and two and I was two and one, uh, with the, with those sweep either bonuses or penalties. So the overall record, James, you pretty much, you're kind of like the Baltimore Orioles right now. You're pretty much cruising. It's not official yet, but it's pretty likely 21 and 11. That's, that's a very good record, man. Congrats on that. Um, I'm in second place. I, I got back up to 500, 16 and 16. Alex with a nice three and a week. You're close to 500 at 15 and 16 and trade and you're at the bottom there at 13 and 18. So, um, James, let's keep it going, I guess, man. I mean, let's just, uh, it, it, it's pretty incredible what, what we've been able to do. We got three more series this weekend. Uh, so let's start off with the Blue Jays going to Tampa Bay to take on the Rays, a nice American League wild card series this um, this, this weekend. Alex, who you got in this one? I'm going to go Tampa 2-1 to one in this one. All right, Tampa or, Bay. I don't know if it's four series. I'm picking Tampa. For sure. I got you. Uh, James, how about you? Blue Jays 2-1. to one. All right. Toronto with the series win there. Trading. I'll take Toronto as well. Toronto, just because I have to, I have to go against James. I just have to. So I'm going to Tampa Bay there. Uh, <laughs> Brewers at the Marlins. Uh, James, who do you got? I got Brewers sweeping this one. Milwaukee with the sweep maybe could potentially crush Miami's wildcard hopes. Trading. Uh, I'm going to take Miami. Of course you are. <laughs> Uh, Alex, <laughs> I'm also going to take Miami. All right, I'm going to go Miami as well. Screw it, why not? Let's let's uh, let's 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 get crazy here. Um, Mariners at the Rangers is my last one. This is one of the um, uh, the Amer- American League West race coming down to the wire here. This is one of the uh, last really big series. Uh, so the Rangers at home taking on the Mariners. Trading, who do you got? Well, I know who James is going to pick. Uh, and I'm going to pick Texas too. <laughs> All right. Texas at home to win. Uh, Alex. I'm going to take the Mariners to sweep. Wow. All right. We like it. Uh, James. Um, well, okay. So I don't, really want to <laughs> don't let me down, dude. I just I, said, I'm going to cushion my lead even more. Okay. The Rangers are winning this one, two to one. I am <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna go Rangers two to one. All right, I'm gonna go Seattle. Um, I'm gonna pick them to sweep too. You know what? Why not? <laughs> Let's do it. Um, trade in. You didn't give me a sweep. I don't think it's gonna be Miami because I don't care. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Trading big, big Miami guy. All right. Uh, tune in next week to see how well James does. I guess because that's what uh, I. You know, he just does. He just always wins these things. But you know, maybe this may be a turn, and it may not be clinched next week. But we'll, we'll see what happens. Hope you guys are enjoying the MLB postseason race. It's getting down to the wire next week. It'll be kind of like an early postseason preview, and kind of getting down to those the, those wild card races are are, are going to be insane to watch. Um, and we'll get a real good, clear picture of kind of those series to watch there at the very end of the season. So, but that's, but that's what I got for MLB. I think I'm winning these because I'm not betting against Alex. I think that's the reason why. Mm. Whenever I bet against Alex, I lose. So we're going to It's a good theory. It's a good theory. Uh, and, there's no tri- and there's no trivia involved. Trivia <laughs> <Yeah>. involved. <laughs> Alex is just OD at that for some reason. Um, somebody out there, please find the episode where Tyler basically, I put words in Tyler's mouth and I said that whoever wins this wins money because I want that money. 
Uh, that wraps up episode 166. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for supporting us for all of these years. Um, today was the first time we've ever live streamed. So hope you guys like that if you tr- looked at that. In the future, we're probably going to be doing the same thing. So tune in to, I don't know, Mondays nights or Tuesday nights or Wednesday nights at 7 to 7.30. To <laughs> we'll announce we, it earlier next. We'll have to announce. It's like the little bell on our thing and you'll get a notification. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there we go. Right there. There it is. Monetize our YouTube. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was a fun episode to do. Alex, we miss you. Alex, hope for, you're feeling better, which is great. Um, happy birthday to trade in. And then Tyler, you. I hope your water polo team continues to do well. Thank That's you. That's pretty much it. Anyway, we're going to have a good week. Hope you do too. See you next week. Happy birthday, James.